a walk on the beach, a puppy, a little nap, a cruise ship. All these things sound pleasant enough, but when you put them together and shake, you get a double dose of audio drama terror. We're playing two pieces from this year's 11th hour audio production marathon. This is Radio Drama Revival. Hello, dear friends, and welcome to Radio Drama Revival, the podcast that showcases the diversity and vitality of modern audio fiction. I'm your host, David Reinstrom, and joining me are our line producers, Matthew Boudreau and Eli McElveen, to tell us all about the 11th Hour Productions project. Hi, Matt. Hi, Eli. Hi, David. Hi, David. 11th Hour was started to mark World Audio Drama Day, which happens every October the 30th. Eli, can you tell us more about that? So, yeah, um... Patience Wheeland started World Audio Drama Day in 2013 to mark the 75th anniversary of Orson Welles' version of War of the Worlds, and just a, a day to celebrate the medium of audio drama in general, and for producers, uh, wherever they may be, to, to put out new work and just raise uh, awareness and get people excited about uh, listening to audio stories. And Matt, how did 11th Hour Productions get started? Okay, so this got started in 2011. Um, I had attended Convergence uh, and met Fred Greenhalge. And the following October, we had decided to get together and do a, a piece written by a friend of mine, uh, James Comtois, called Intensive Care. And we went up and we met in Biddeford, Maine, and we recorded in this big old mill where he was recording The Cleanse Season 1 at the time. And it was just a lot of fun uh, getting together with Fred and my then co-producer, Samantha Mason, that I kind of wanted to recreate this for other groups. And so 11th Hour, the idea behind 11th Hour was that we kind of do the same thing, that intensive care style of thing where we get together and we record on one day and we post-produce in the month of October and release Something, anything, you know, it, it doesn't have to be like spectacular, but they've been turning out better and better every chance we get. So, so last year we got together in Lowell, Massachusetts with a bunch of people out there, people from Hadrian Gospel Hour and uh, Eli did our uh, dialogue editing and we did a piece by uh, Justin Mullane, a Buffalo local called Vultures Over Low Doves. Eli, how did you get dragged into 11th Hour? So yeah, I, f I first met uh, Matt and Monique about a year and a half ago, I think. Yeah, yeah, right around there. We'd been listening to each other's shows. We hadn't really connected in person, despite, you know, we're just a fairly quick trip around the, the corner of Lake Ontario here. It's like two-hour drive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I popped down. We chatted over beers in Buffalo and uh, talked about working on each other's projects. And then the first one that came up was this crazy one-off called Vultures Over Love Doves. And I I couldn't make it, so yeah, I was I was back here in Toronto waiting eagerly by my Dropbox folder for the takes to roll in. <laughs> and yeah, I think you guys were like on the New York State Thruway trying to upload files to Dropbox. Yeah, and my phone connection wasn't very good at all. <laughs> <laughs> we got it there, but uh, it was it was horrifying trying to get it all up. Yeah, and and one of these days I will make it to one of these crazy recording sessions. But absolutely, even if we have to create a new one just for us, you know? yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but it, it is really cool just being able to pitch in and contribute on a project that brings together all these really awesome people. What are the rules for 11th Hour? We intentionally set up 11th Hour to not have many rules so we could get more people to participate. Right now, 11th Hour has only three rules. Uh, one, 
that the piece has to be horror. Uh, rule number two is that you have to work with people that you haven't worked with before, uh, different producers working together, uh, working with different actors, working with crew whom you haven't worked with in previous opportunities. Um, number three is that it must be recorded and post-produced in October. We don't expect anybody to write anything in October, but we kind of want it recorded, produced, post-produced, and put out the door in October. And what are the stories this year? So, yeah, we ended up with, I think, a really nice range of shows this year. There's five teams from across the U.S. and the U.K. I think I'm the one Canadian in the bunch, not sure. Um, but, yeah, there's supernatural stories. There's some science fiction. There's some historicals. And then uh, Heavenly Deception that you're about to hear is is um, kind of a pure thriller slash psychological horror. And in addition to that, we've got Cargo, our science fiction horror from Scotland. Uh, you'll hear that later in the show. From 11th Hour South in Kentucky, we've got a high seas pirate story called A Dread Light Shines in the Serpent Sky uh, from Scott Phillips, uh, produced by Austin Beach. And those are the guys behind Audio Oblivious Productions. Uh, collaborating with Laura Beth Bramblett of Jim Robbie and the Wanderers and Dane Leonardson of Coach Studios. Uh, in fact, Scott and Dane also did another one of our shows, and that's called Kill the Boy, about um, like a mom and her son struggling to get by in this new town, and and they bring home something that, that should have been left alone. And finally, our team in Texas, uh, it's Pete Lutz doing the writing and Sibby Wheeland doing the post-production have um they've got a story about 30s gangsters and greek vampires which is just a great combo and the story is called the vercolicus well excellent we're going to play two pieces from this year's 11th hour beginning with 11th hour northeast's heavenly deception written and directed by steve schneider sound designed by brian bristol dialogue edited by our own eli McElveen, and composed and mixed by you matt so why don't you talk us in so right off the bat, I'm going to give a content warning to the audience that Heavenly Deception contains violence, strong language, and adult situations. So if you're sensitive to any of these situations, you may not want to listen. Heavenly Deception is uh, written and directed by Steve Schneider. It's a 1970s era set around the cult phenomenon that was going on right around then. Uh, I was four years old at the time, but I remember hearing about it. Kind of in the vein of uh, Dario Argento, Suspiria kind of cult victims, psychological suspense kind of thing. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy as we present Heavenly Deception. Very sorry, girls, but you need help, even if you don't want it. Mr. White? Yes, sir. Now, your turn, my dear. Eleventh Hour Audio Productions presents Heavenly Deception. 
Written and directed by Steve Schneider. hasn't changed much. Same tourist crap along the boulevard. I sure don't miss it. Well, at least we have a chance to talk alone, finally. Thought we'd be stuck in the house forever. What did you expect, Zara? They weren't just gonna let you walk back out of the house without some kind of explanation. Yeah, well, if I knew I was coming back to a two-day interrogation, I might not have come back at all. But I had to see my little sis. I missed you, Prue. Zara, you can't just brush this off as no big deal. Mom and Dad were really worried about you. I was worried. You were gone a year and a half. You, you barely called. We didn't even know where you were. And then you sent that weird postcard. <laughs> Jesus, Prue, can you stop? Just stop. That's all I've heard since I've gotten back. Well, just stop, please. I get it. You were worried sick. But I'm okay. I've been okay the whole time. I came 3,000 miles just to see you. Can you please not give me the same hassle as mom and dad? Please? Sorry. I just want my sister back. Well, you shouldn't have... Look, uh, do you want to sit down? Sure. have you been through? I think 23, including part of Alaska. Oh, you've been to Alaska? Yeah. Well, just as far as Juneau. I mainly just wanted to say I've been there. And you hitchhiked the whole time? Well, mostly. It's easy to get a ride if you're a girl. But weren't you scared? You know, that someone would try to... No. Prue, look. That garbage you see on TV isn't real. It isn't. And people will never realize that until they put themselves out there. The truth is that the world is a whole lot more beautiful and full of love than you'd ever know from watching the 6 o'clock news. Yeah, but... But what? Prue, would I ever lie to you? You just have to get out of this little town and start opening yourself up to new ideas, new people. Yeah, I, I guess. But you're still scared. <laughs> no, I get it. But it's only scary until you just get out there. Besides, when you put out a positive vibe, you attract positive people. I've experienced that. Seriously. Oh, stop rolling your eyes at me. Is that too hippie for you? You are such a close-minded old grandma. Shut up. <laughs> Fine. Just see the sights then. I'm telling you, you can't believe how gorgeous this country is until you see it firsthand. And some of the experiences you have are amazing. So, is that really true you got a ride from Darth Vader? Who? Who? The bad guy from Star Wars. Oh, ha. Yeah. <sighs> Far out! When was that? Uh, that was last summer. I was thumbing up in Chino Hills and this guy picks me up. Wait, where's Chino Hills? California, east of LA. Oh man, Prue, you really need to get out of New Hampshire and start seeing some of the world. Yeah, yeah. So, so what happened? Nothing. I mean, he gave me a lift to Hollywood and during the ride, he tells me he's this villain in this big movie that's coming out. 
I didn't really believe him until he showed me this picture of him in this black suit standing next to Alec Guinness. You know, the British actor? Yeah, of course. I can't believe you actually got a ride from Darth Vader. Oh, my God. So what was his name? I forget. David something. He actually signed the picture and gave it to me, but I lost it. What? You lost it? Oh, my God. Zara, how could you lose something like that? Didn't you love the movie? Um... What? You haven't even watched it? I've already seen it like seven times. That's it. We're, we're totally going this afternoon. Hi. Sorry to interrupt you. I'm Heather. This is Nicole. Hi. And we're just out inviting people to the World Culture Night this evening that's hosted by our student group. Yeah? What's World Culture Night? Just like it sounds. Every week, we celebrate a different culture of the world. Tonight, it's Japan, so we're going to have lots of Japanese food, like sushi. Plus, lessons on origami, how to tie a kimono. Right, origami, everything. I think there's also a raffle and a short presentation on creating peace through multicultural understanding. Sorry, what's your name? Me? I'm, I'm Prudence. Prue. And this is my sister, Sarah. Zara. Fine, then, Zara. Your sisters? Right on! <laughs> We're also sisters. Cool. So, do you believe in creating world peace? Uh... Sure. Wait, is this some kind of church thing? Well, World Culture Night is hosted by a non-sectarian, non-denominational student organization. We welcome guests from all religions and backgrounds. And there's tons of free food. It's really a lot of fun. Here, take one of these. It'll be at our beach house just over there off Brown Avenue. Straight up B Street and behind the Sands Resort. The address is right there on the pamphlet. Those pictures are from the Russian culture night we had a few weeks ago. It's really a lot of fun. You get a chance to meet young people from all different backgrounds and, like Heather said, it's all about learning how to create a peaceful world. So, what do you say? Uh, I don't know. Sounds like fun. We'll talk about it. Sure thing. All right, girls. Enjoy your time at the beach. We'll see you this evening, okay? Thanks. See you. Bye. Nice meeting you. Oh, that was weird. <laughs> what? What do you mean? What do you mean, what do I mean? The way they were all just happy and excited. I mean, who's that super positive all the time? It's just weird. Rue, you are such a lame-o. I am not. You totally are. They're just excited about what they're doing. I don't see anything wrong with that. I think we should go. No way. Yes way. Look, this is the perfect opportunity for you to get out of your own headspace and get exposed to some new ideas. Headspace? Oh, whatever. All I'm saying is that this is a perfect opportunity for you to get some exposure to a new way of thinking. And you don't even have to leave your hometown to do it. Zara? Why are you so concerned with my way of thinking? Well, no, 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 I, I'm not. I just... Sarah, I grew up with, would never want to go to some world culture thing. No, you're right. You're totally right. I wouldn't. But 18 months on the road can really change you, you know? I mean, for the better. Prue, I've had so many experiences and met so many people during that time that I wouldn't have had in 20 years at home. It's got to change you a little bit, right? I guess. Listen, I totally get that you want to feel safe and secure and know what's going on. But sometimes that security can turn into a prison if you... Oh my god, look at that puppy! What? Oh, he's so adorable. Excuse me, sir. Do you mind if I pet no, him? No, not at all. Just don't let him jump on you. Oh, he's so cute. What's his name? It's Toby. Oh, careful there. He's getting loose. What are you doing? Oh. Why did you pull off his collar? 
sympathy like that you won't steal my heart neither but my god you are one beautiful creature so young and pretty I'm gonna fix you girl I'm gonna make you whole <laughs> ah she's awake Miss Blue could you please get the door yes yes I know Do we have to keep her gagged like that, Mr. Green? I suppose not. Mr. White? Are you sure that's a good idea? Oh, I think she'll behave herself. Won't you, my dear? She'll be fine. Just go ahead. Okay. <laughs> Just remember what I said. Don't make me. Here you are, Mr. White. These are the supplies we'll need for later. I shouldn't be gone long. You want me to check on the other one before I leave? That won't be necessary, Mr. White. She's resting now. Okay, then. Where's my sister? Don't worry about her. She's just fine. She's just resting right now. What do you want? What do we want? We want to help you, of course. Why am I chained to the bed? I want to leave. Shh. We understand that. But for now, you need to keep your voice down, or we'll be forced to reapply the gag. I don't understand. Shh. We know you don't, Nicole. But you're going to get better. I... We're here to help you, Nicole. But you'll need to cooperate. We've been through a lot already. Wait. You had the dog. Yes. Would you like to see him again? Look, I apologize for that, but it was necessary for the intervention. Nicole, we'll help you through this every step of the way, I promise. But you're going to have to cooperate with us, okay? We're going to need the truth. What the hell are you talking about? Stop calling me Nicole. I want to go home. I told you to keep your voice down. Now this is your last warning or we reapply your gag. Am I understood? Mm -hmm. I am quite serious. But 
If you cooperate with us, we'll cooperate with you. We agree? Wonderful. Nicole, I know you're scared. And I know you want to go home. And you will. We've talked with your mother, and she's very anxious to see you. But you need to get better first. It's not Nicole. It's Prudence. Of course it is. We know that you all adopt a certain names and you change them regularly. Who? Please. I really, really have no idea what you're talking about. Oh my. They have trained you well, haven't they? Who? I swear to God, I really, really have no idea what you're talking about. My name is Prudence Mason. I live on 25 Drinkwater Road in Hampton Falls. Enough. My... Enough. I'm sure you have a whole biography memorized, Nicole, but we don't have time to waste on lies. I'm not lying! <laughs> <laughs> oh my. So much for the easy route, Mr. Green. <laughs> I was certainly hoping, but looks like we'll be earning our pay this time around. Look, I swear to God, I... Enough! Don't you dare bring up my God again with your filthy lies! I won't stand for it! Now, we can do this the hard way or the easy way, Nicole. But in either case, we will get the truth out of you. The real truth. All you have to do is tell us the truth, Nicole. That's all. Just tell us the truth. Now, let's begin with something easy. How long have you been with the Children of Love? Who? Ugh. Oh, we're in for a long day, Mr. Green. Yes, unfortunately. I'll take the first shift, Ms. Blue. But I have a copy of his birth certificate right here. Father Love's real name is Terry James Pratchett, Jr., born May 31st, 1942, to Terry and Margaret Pratchett in Thorsby, Alabama. Nicole, your messiah is the son of an auto mechanic and the town librarian. Look, I know you believe that I'm on the side of Satan. And you're afraid that I'm pulling you away from the light. The truth is just the opposite. We're trying to save you. Nicole, you are such a beautiful person. You're a lying piece of shit! Don't you think I know exactly what you're doing? Hell, the whole modus operandi of your cult is to lie about its own existence, ain't it? It's okay to lie if it's to bring people to God. Ain't that what he taught you? Hmm? Y'all call that heavenly deception. Ten warning signs of a predatory religious organization. Number one, the group features absolute authoritarianism without meaningful accountability. That means your guru can do whatever he likes and no one can contradict him. Do you realize how dangerous it is to be in a situation like that? You need to stop with the denials, Nicole, or we can't move forward. I know you think you're thinking for yourself, but you're not. I know they did things to you, Nicole. No. What did they do to you? Nothing. You don't have to be like this, Nicole. Darling, I could treat you so nice. All you gotta do is come clean. Just come clean. We can take you out to a nice restaurant. Would you like that? In Matthew 24. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that, if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Nicole, are you listening to this? Shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you? Simply put... 
lies in order to use you. He's just using your bodies to feed his lust. But this young body isn't his to use, Nicole. These lips aren't his. These breasts aren't his. This special, holy place isn't his either. They are all for the pleasure of your future husband and him alone. I don't give a damn if you're thirsty. Please. Hell, we're all thirsty. I need some water. I tell you what. Please. I'll give you some water when you admit that he's a false prophet. Father Love preaches against things like fornication and drug use, correct? Here we are. Arrested March 2nd, 1965 for indecent exposure. Arrested again on November 1st, 1967. Driving while intoxicated and possession of an unlicensed handgun. Another one. Convicted of assault and battery on a taxi driver on February 14th, 1970, while under the influence of barbiturates. Oh, and yet again on February 19th, 1971, for attempted rape on a minor under the age of 16. But I, I don't... This is your sinless leader, Nicole? And you've got to look and smell and dress just like anyone else on campus. Then hide your doctrine behind some generic student or cultural programs. He teaches you to hide your real beliefs so you don't scare the initiates away, right? Because they don't have a spiritual foundation to understand yet, do they? Compartmentalize information so it's not really accessible to outsiders and control information at different levels and missions within the group. See, it's all information control, girl. This is the same goddamn mind trap the commies are using over there. And you done fell right into it. Earlier this year, a class action lawsuit was filed by 14 ex-members. Yeah, that's right, ex-members of your little family. Because, no, listen. Father Love forced them to sell their private property and donate it all to him. Houses, automobiles, retirement funds, college savings. Oh, Lord, we keep going round and round and round. I guess I can't blame you for being confused. Do you have any idea how many false messiahs are harvesting flesh from young girls nowadays? Examples include denial, justification, chanting, meditating, singing or humming, use of mantras, prayer. Girl, don't you get it? This is all meant to stop you from thinking for yourself. You need to wake the hell up. Nicole, your guru lectures for hours about poverty and simplicity, but look at this. A photo of his Beverly Hills mansion. Here he is gambling in Atlantic City. Further God's prop, I'm sure. Oh, I like this one. Here's your hero in his brand new 77 Lincoln Continental Mark V. Care to guess the base price of that car? $11,396. Excluding belt and whistles. I never really thought that much about this either. Until we lost our daughter Jennifer to the Hardy Same denials as you. Same stubborn faith. She was a virgin when she left home. Pure and untouched. <laughs> Now, open your throat and drink it. 
Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in Stop heaven. Nicole, your guru is nothing but a walking contradiction. I know you're That's exactly what cults do. They make you afraid. Afraid of thinking for yourself, afraid of the outside world, afraid of losing your salvation. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves, Nicole! <laughs> Nicole, Father Love isn't unique. He isn't even very interesting. Homegrown messiahs like him are a dime a dozen, Nicole. He's just a man. Just an ordinary man. Because you worry that Father Love might be using astral projection to eavesdrop on you? What are you talking about? You're afraid he's listening to you right now. And this is all some grand test of faith, right? What part of it? Honey, that is nonsense. That is a dirty lie that he has pressed deep into your mind. You don't want to get hit? You have control over that. Darling, this will all end just as soon as you make it end. Just gotta come clean. Come on. Mess up. That's exactly why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man comes to the Father but by me. He is stealing that from you, Nicole. You're allowing him to steal your salvation. We know the women of your sect use a hallucinogenic drink to prepare for this body ceremony with Father Love. Do you know anything about Now you'd say it's to prepare your heart to give and receive love completely. But isn't the real purpose just to lower your inhibitions? No. To the point where you're willing to let him do all kinds of disgusting things to you? And here we go. John, chapter 8, verse 44. Ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. Father of lies, Nicole. Father of lies. Would you like to know what happened to their salvation? The next morning, police found the remains of all 53 members of the sect in the temple, their bodies stacked and arranged in the shape of the Star of David. It was a mass suicide, Nicole. Can't you see? This is exactly where you're headed. Exactly. He can't hurt you now. He can't find you here. He can't touch you. He can't violate you. Not anymore. You can be free of his lies, Nicole. Free of his influence. Wake the fuck up, girl. You done been lying. Everything he says has been a lie. He's just full of them. You need to come to the truth. The truth, Nicole. I need the truth. Time to tell the truth. The real truth. Time to tell the truth. Come on, tell me. Give us the truth. The real truth. Tell us the truth. Tell us the truth. Tell us the truth. Wait for the truth. Tell us the truth. We need the truth from you, Nicole. We need the truth. 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 Time for the truth. Truth. Tell me the truth. 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 Truth.
Did she? Yes. Yes, she did. There, there. There, there, my dear. It's okay. Everything's fine. Just cry it out. Tears will heal you. Healing tears. I'm sorry. I know. I'm sorry. I know, dear. It's okay. Everything's going to be fine. Well, I think she's had enough for today, wouldn't you say, Ms. Blue? Oh, I think so. You've made a lot of progress today, Nicole. This is a big step forward. We're very proud of you, aren't we? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We're going to let you get some rest, baby. You've earned it. We'll check in on you again in the morning, okay? Brighter day tomorrow. Right, Nicole? The sun will be shining. Oh, I believe it will. Good night, my dear. untied yet. You can get your hands free if you just wiggle them back and forth like this. Here. If they keep calling me Nicole, I think I'm part of some... Shh. I know. I heard everything. They're probably going to try the same thing with me tomorrow. I don't understand what they want. Hey, it doesn't matter. Just keep wiggling your hand. I'm going to get us out of here. Will you look at this? Wait. You ain't going to do shit, little girl. Wait, it's not... Shut up! Ah! Get away, bitch. Stop, I can pay you. Only place you're going is back on your fucking back. It's our money. Listen, they can pay you. Leave her alone. They have money. They can pay you twice whatever you're getting. I said shut your mouth, girl. You try getting free again, and I swear to God, I'll kill you. What did I tell you about trying to get away? There you go. Well, you girls have been bad. I know ways to punish bad girls like you. What's happened? Ah, nothing. The other one tried to get free, so... She I... got free? No, she didn't. She just slipped out of her cuffs is all. How do you just slip out of a pair of handcuffs? I don't know. She's got small hands, I guess. Anyway... I got her gagged and cuffed down real good. She should have been cuffed securely to begin with. Oh, you know what, boss? You don't like my cuffing? You're welcome to go cuffing your damn self. I'm going back to bed. We will talk about this in the morning. The girls are resting now, Miss Hanson. I don't care. I came here to see my girls. Miss Hanson, this is not a good idea. They're not ready. If they see you this early, they could revert right back to where they were before. Damn it, Robert. It's been two and a half years since I've seen either of my girls. I'm tired of waiting. So where are they? Miss Hanson. Where are they? Down here, Miss Hanson. 
this? Who? That's Nicole. This isn't my Nicole. Who the hell is this, Robert? Ms. Hansen, calm down. I will not calm down. Who is this girl in the bed? Where's my Heather and Nicole? Ms. Hansen, please. I... Hey, what's going on? Mr. White, uh, go get the other girl, please. Quickly, bring her in here. What the hell's she doing here? Just do what I said, Mr. White. Jesus Christ. Oh, I knew it. I knew I shouldn't have trusted you people. Ms. Hansen, we've done dozens of interventions before. We have a very high success rate. Well, you really fouled this one up, didn't you? And who is this girl? And what? Have you been beating her? Ms. Hansen. This is what your interventions are all about? You son of a bitch. You're in here beating these children? Here's the other one. Stay on the ground, girl. Son of a bitch. Now, wait a minute. You stupid son of a bitch! You kidnapped the wrong girl! Stop it! Stop! 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 You stupid son of a bitch! I never should have trusted right, you! help me! All right, get off. That's it. I'm going straight to the police. Out of the way! No, wait. We can work this out. What do we do? Well, go after her. Don't let her phone the police. Just bring her to the bank. Uh, tell her we'll refund all her money. Just get her to calm down. Okay. What the hell are we doing here, boss? Just give me a minute. I'm trying to think. Uh, I still need my pay. There is no pay. If we don't get paid, you don't either. Say what? Look, just trying to make a new plan. Jim, can you just give me a minute? Just can you get this girl out of here? Bring her back to her room. I don't work for free, bud. You want her there, you bring her your damn self. Jim, this isn't the time to... Oh, Lord. Come on, dear. Get out of it. Whoa, Come on, uh -uh. get up. You're only going to hurt yourself. I had enough of your plans, boss. Time for my own plan. You. You said you got a friend with money, right? Who will pay to get you free? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. You think so? No, they will. I'm sure they will. So how about you? You know a friend with money? They'll pay for both of us. That's my sister. Wait. She's your real sister? Yes. <laughs> Jesus Christ. We done grabbed the wrong set of sisters. Well, how about your folks then? My friends will pay, I promise. I don't give a damn who pays as long as I get the money. But your promise don't mean spit to me. I need security. So, all right, here's the deal. I'm going to tie up boss, man, and leave him here so he can't come after us. Then I'm going to move little Nicole here, or whatever the hell your name is, I'm going to take her to a motel room and cover to the bed just like this. Big sis, you won't know exactly where she is because you'll be tied up in the trunk with a bag over your head. <laughs> now, hold on, hear me out. Once that's done, I'll take big sis over to a payphone so you can call your friends. Then we meet up and swap. They give me $5,000 cash and I give them you, the motel address and the room and the handcuff key. And you come get Nicole here. You're both free, and I'm gone. Simple. We got a deal? What if we don't like the deal? You ain't gotta like it, girl. You just gotta take it. 
You ain't got no choice anyhow. I'm holding the cards here. Hell, I'm God. You ain't got nothing. Shit, I could cut both your throats and leave you here. But that don't get me my five grand now, does it? All right, we'll take the deal. Damn right you will. Ain't no choice like no choice. Am I right? <laughs> Am I right? There we go. All right. Let's get you in that trunk. And hey, tell your friends to play it straight. You've seen how I deal with double crossers. If I don't get my money, I'm going to dump your ass in a river and leave Nicole here in that room till she rots. Or I might just go back and have some fun with her first. What do you think of that? They won't double cross you. I promise. Uh-huh. I told you what I think of promises. It's a damn shame. Can't trust no one in this world, can you? <laughs> some water. I have some. Hold on. Here. Drink this. <coughs> oh. oh, what is that? Shh, it's medicine. It'll relax you. We've got water coming. Just drink this up. <coughs> Tastes terrible. What is that stuff? It's called milk of the wormwood. Here's your water. <sighs> Thank you. Sir, thank you. Of course you're welcome, little sis. Don't worry, you're safe now. I came back for you, see? Thank you. Thank you. Wait, wait. you're... Uh... That's Heather and Nicole, right? From the beach the other day. Sorry you missed World Culture Night. But there'll be others, of course. Wait, these are... You're all friends? We're family, Prue. This is your family. We love you so much. What? We had to raise a lot of money to save you, Prudence. That's how much we love you. You are so precious. A precious daughter of God. Wait. We're going home, right, Zara? I want to go home. You are home. Home is with your family. Zara! They're right, Prue. You're safe with us. We love you so much. I... I feel so... Strange. Shh, I know. Don't fight it. Just open yourself up to it. You need to prepare yourself to receive. Pretty soon, you'll be so free, so light, and open to God. Come on. Let's uncover and carry her out of here. What? Where are we? We're taking you to see God. God, he's going to teach you so much, Prue. He'll show you what true love is like. so deep and true. You'll just want to melt into him. Here, help me lift her. He's chosen you, Prudence. 
Heavenly Deception starred Tanya Milojevic as Prue Sarah Caitlin Taylor as Zara Taryn Poe as Heather Abby Hilditch as Nicole Rick Wentworth as Mr. Green Susan Buttrick as Ms. Blue was my closest friend. Owen McEwen as Mr. White but you came. Mary Ferrara as Lillian he soon Mike McQuilkin as Cultist 1 and he never Scott Hickey as Cultist 2 showed his face again. and Rick Coast as the DJ Written and directed by Steve Schneider. Production assistance and location recording by Richard Summers. Dialogue editing by Eli McElveen. Sound design by Brian Bristol. Composing and post-production mixing by Matthew J. Boudreaux. And videography by Mike McCulkin. Heavenly Deception features the song, Your Love is Lifting Me, Higher and Higher, used with permission. Musical vocals by Sophia House. Thank you for listening to this 11th hour audio production. I got the chance to talk to Steve Schneider, the writer and director of Heavenly Deception. You'll hear from Steve and hear 11th hour Scotland's entry Cargo right after this. On to our interview with Steve Schneider. Roll the tape, Eli. Hello, Steve. Hi, David. Welcome to Radio Drama Revival. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. It's really an honor to be here. So let's talk about the um, the background of heavenly deception. Where does that term come from? Because it's a real term. It is. Yeah, it was a term used by the Unification Church, started by Sam Young Moon in the, geez, I think it was in the late 40s. It really caught on in America during the 1970s. And the idea behind that term was uh, if there was a cult, uh, with that particular cult, and and cults in general, they didn't want to feed the new initiate more information than they could handle so that it would overwhelm them. So they generally regulated the information and only doled it out a little bit at a time. So if you were a college kid, because they did a lot of uh, campus witnessing, uh, they may come to you just like what happened in the story with, hey, we have a a world culture night at such and such (laughs) of a a campus building where we're going to interact with different people of the world. It's about peaceful community. It's about learning about different cultures. It's about integrating yourself with new ideas and new ways of thinking and so forth and something more or less uh, fairly innocuous. And then from there, there'd be a number of kind of inner layers where more and more you would get to the true ideology of the cult. It was a form of lying, but the purpose behind it was it was a, I guess what they were thinking was, well, if you're 
not exactly being truthful with people, but if your reasons for doing so is because you want to help them and bring them closer to God, bring them to a higher sense of spirituality or consciousness or whatever, then that's okay. So that would be, it's deception, but it's more of a heavenly deception. So that was the basic spirit behind the term. So the cult in the piece, to what extent is that directly based on the Unification Church? Uh, it's not. It's not directly patterned on the Unification Church itself. I think it's more of a a little bit more of a fictionalized, extreme version of that particular cult. Okay. Um, but I did, t- it, I would say it's more of a, a fictional amalgam of the way a lot of these cults operated. There was generally a central figure to the cult. That that cult figure was generally messianic, where they professed to have some truth or some vision or some core lineage Usually it's something like they inherited Jesus' mission and now they're here as the second coming of Christ (laughs) to save all of us and so on and so forth. And there'd be some ideology associated with it. And just like with any, any, I would say religious movement, but with any any movement in general, you have one absolute central figure and everyone else is dependent upon that person for their their truth, for their vision, for their prosperity, whatever. There was corruption involved. So you'd have a lot of, you know, getting uh, wealth from people. There was sex involved in a lot of cases where, of course, the cult leaders would take advantage of the memberships for sexual purposes. And that was a really common, a predominant theme in the, in the story. Kind of the threat of rape pretty much hangs over that entire story. Um, yeah. There was more an, an examination of what happens or what has happened in many different cults uh, that, that that I researched over the course of the last several decades. So Zara and Prue were kidnapped by deprogrammers. Uh, and you told me offline this was a real thing, number one. And that number two, all three of the pseudonymous deprogrammers, Mr. Mr. White, Mr. Green, and Ms. Blue, are based on different deprogramming techniques. Yeah, it was really interesting. Even if you Google deprogramming, you come up with a lot of different information about the techniques that were used. And each of the characters in the story kind of represent a different trend, uh, a different category of techniques. There was Mr. Green. He was all about facts, where he would assemble a lot of factual information, particularly about the cult leader that wasn't uh, commonly available to the cult members. There was a lot of information control within the cults themselves where they wouldn't tell you everything about the cult leader or any um, legal trouble that that person had been in previously or any of this other stuff. They would only present the good information, what they wanted the cult members to hear. Um, Mm -hmm. So this was more – of course, it was all designed to discredit the cult member and his his messianic claims – Mrs. Blue was uh, basically representing the trend of the, the approach in deprogramming of appealing to the emotions of the cult member, trying to evoke sympathy or empathy for other family members, parents, brothers and sisters. They miss you so much. They can't wait for you to come home. They love you. You grew up with these people. How can you say that they're they're evil now or whatever? Um, and Mr. White was representing more – uh, of a of a shock technique, where the idea was that 
cult members' minds were hijacked by other people and they, they had been brainwashed or conditioned such to believe a certain set of tenets that you actually had to shake them out of that to drive a little a crack into their consciousness and split it open so that they would be open to the truth. Huh. And some of that actually involved physical violence. There was a man named Ted Patrick in the 70s who was well known for uh, using... Uh, violent techniques to actually, he would actually hit cult members and so forth. Um, Just like Mr. White did in the story to try to shake them into some kind of awareness of a different way of thinking other than whatever their cult belief system was. So yeah, I mean, it it was a crazy thing where it wasn't just kidnapping, but it was parent sanctioned kidnapping and almost uh, a, a form of torture in some cases. What what was it, do you think, about the 60s and 70s that made them such a ripe time for cults in the U.S.? I, I think that generation really was uh, rebelled and departed away from their parents' way of thinking in a way that uh, probably hasn't happened since then. And the, the generation prior to that was, uh, in my mind anyway, from what I understand – uh, people that were parents or adults through the 1940s, 1950s, the Leave It to Beaver days, the mm-hmm. put on your hat and your your gray flannel suit and head to work at the corporation, work your way up the corporate ladder, tow the company line, get your house, get your white picket fence, get your family and your, your nice car, your nice dog, and keep up with the Joneses. I think a lot of that basic viewpoint of this is how middle-class America is and this is how you should live your life was rejected by a lot of their kids. And there's a lot of factors involved and I'm hardly an expert in that whole time period. But of course, the Vietnam War was going on from, I believe, 68 to 74, I think. I was born in 71. So I was mm-hmm. just a baby at the time that this was all going on. But uh, the whole hippie movement, uh, drop out of society, searching for new avenues of truth, alternate lifestyles. And along with that came uh, alternate or new age religions, the age of Aquarius and so forth. And I think that kind of made it fertile ground for a lot of these cults to kind of rise up during that time, particularly with that generation. I mean, it's really easy to abuse people when they're going to be, you know, in a in a position to be that that vulnerable, that that searching. Oh, sure, yeah. I mean, it's one thing to be open to new things, but that also makes you open to manipulation from other people who are just looking to take advantage of people who are open to new things, which may not necessarily be the best thing for them. So, if you were born in 1971, the big the big scary thing of your childhood was probably like Dungeons and Dragons, huh? Like a satanic panic, right? Yeah, yeah, that was the whole uh my high school there was a huge panic about backwards messages in uh heavy metal albums and sure. satanic messages within that and that kind of thing. That, yeah, that was that was big when I was in high school. In the, but that was in the 80s. Well, that would have been like, what, Kiss Records or something? Who was like yeah, the... Kiss, ACDC, uh, Black Sabbath. Alice Cooper. Even even more standard bands like Aerosmith, they got accused of this kind of thing. God, Aerosmith wishes they had satanic <laughs> messages in them. Right. Uh, there was Queen. Another one bites the dust and it had something about mm-hmm. smoking marijuana if you play it backwards. I actually tried that by reversing a cassette when I was younger. Mm-hmm. It is there. You can hear it. 
So, oh, it, it actually is? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like at a certain point, if you're a recording artist and you hear this garbage often enough, you're going to start putting things into the mix just for the hell of it. Oh, yeah. I heard, I heard that the Beatles did. It was all the whole Paul is dead stuff that went on in the 60s. So, so this was all recorded in your house uh, in Massachusetts, just south of the New Hampshire border. It was, yes. Uh, but all, not all of production took place there. No. Right? Or not, not post-production didn't take place exclusively at your home. No, this was uh, – what was great about this is it was, a, it was done as an, as an ensemble where – okay, with the whole 11th hour thing um, – 11th hour audio production sounds like a production company, but really the way to think of it is more of a, an event than an actual, like a company or a, a project. So you recorded in Massachusetts, and then you had Eli in Toronto listening to the recordings as yeah, they were so being Yeah, so all the completed. actors came to my house on Saturday, October 22nd. We recorded all in my basement studio here, which is a, about a 10 by 12 foot room that has acoustic curtains going around the room to cut down on the reflections. All the actors nice. could be in the same room. They were facing each other. It kind of feed off of each other's energy. Uh, Richard Summers was doing the recording, and he was also the script supervisor. So we put together a whole uh, recording schedule, which was similar to how a, uh, a small fi film company would operate, where we recorded the scenes out of sequence, basically, because we didn't want actors waiting all day long to do their lines. Some of the actors were just at the beginning and the end of the story, so we recorded those first. So I think it was uh, scene two and then scene nine were the first two that were recorded, so the second and the last scene. And then we pretty much did every other one more or less in order from there. Um, but Rich would be labeling the tracks and sending them to Eli McElveen in Toronto to listen to as we were recording them and Eli was listening mm -hmm. to the quality listening to anyone who went off mic whether anyone popped and this kind of thing and we actually re-recorded one of the scenes because he was like eh, this didn't turn out so great guys can you redo this part from this line to this line over again and so we were able to do it on the spot before we let the actors go which was helpful from there uh, Eli cut up the dialogue, picked the best take, forwarded that to Brian Bristol in Connecticut. And uh, Brian did the sound design. He put a lot of the, uh, the the sound effects in the background, the whole uh, the infamous uh, vodka bottle that Mr. White basically forces down <laughs> Prue's throat. <laughs> um, a lot of those sounds were added by Brian. And then when he was done with the sound design, he forwarded it finally to Matt Boudreau in Buffalo, who did the final mastering, and he also added the, the musical score. So he was a composer. So it was kind of assembly line style where everybody did a little piece of it, and it got assembled all at the end. And it was, it was great because everybody could contribute their talents and their abilities to the project, and it, it ended up coming off uh, in very short order. Within five days, the whole thing was totally produced, and it was out there and ready for to hit the internet. That's so cool. Are you already scheming for next year? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to come up with something. I don't know. We haven't really decided. As far as I know, there's nobody really in charge of the project, so it's kind of, yeah, I'd like to see. If somebody else can come up with a good script for next year, I'm all for that. 
if I can think of something, I'll try to offer that sure. up, whatever. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to keeping going with this. Awesome. Well, thank you, Steve. Thank you for coming on the show. Oh, thanks for having me, David. I appreciate it. Thanks again, Steve. That was great. And now we move on to our final piece of 11th Hour Abelia, Cargo, by Yap Audio Production out of Scotland. You're okay. What, what the... Who the hell are you? My name's Claire. Where am I? Tr- try to keep still a bit longer. Don't get up too quickly. What is this place? Just relax. Give yourself a moment to come to. What's going on? Am I in hospital? Not quite. You need to stay calm, though. Where are we? Do you remember how you got here? Will you answer the question? <sighs> okay, but I'm not sure that I can do you mean? I'm not exactly sure where we are either. Have we been kidnapped? Can you remember what you were doing before you woke up here? I... I don't know. Look, are we in danger? Not immediately, no. I woke up in here too, a few hours ago. I think there's no way of telling the time in here. My phone. My bag. Why are we wearing these weird clothes? I think it's part of these pods we've been sleeping in. We couldn't find any of our things. They must have took them when they put us in here. Who's they? Okay, look, there's no easy way to tell you this. And believe me, I've tried to think of every other possible explanation. But... What? What is it? I think we're on board some sort of alien spacecraft. to be a prank, right? Am I on TV? I honestly can't say for sure, but if we are, I'm as much in the dark as you are. Those windows, what's through them? Don't get up yet. Your legs will still be made of jelly. It took me a while to get moving again after I woke up. Have you looked outside? What's out there? One seems to be an external window. It's just darkness out there. Space, I guess. There's light coming from the other one. It's another one of these rooms. Martin was in there, asleep, like the rest of us. Martin? There's two other people here, or two that I've met anyway. Martin and Paul. I was the first one to wake up, then Paul. We found you and Martin shortly after. Where are they? They went to look for, well, something. Help, a clue, a way out. Besides, when you started waking up, I didn't want them around. It's a lot to take in without more strange faces. What else have you found in here? Nothing, really. Not much more than what you see around you. The rooms around here are all identical. I can't believe this. This has to be some sort of setup. Oh, I hope so. But just try not to overwhelm yourself. What's the last thing you can remember? I... I was driving... I was on my way home from work. It was dark, the road empty, and then a bright light. I think I stopped and got out. I remember thinking it was so warm outside, 
But it's November. It wasn't natural. It was like a bomb going off in front of my face. Except it was completely silent. Oh, I feel sick. It's okay. I did too. It'll pass. What are we going to do? We'll figure something out. Once they get back, hopefully they found out a bit more about this place. Anything else up that way? Just more holding cells. Similar to the ones we were in. Were they occupied? Some have things in them. Nothing I can really identify. I can't tell if they're dead or in some sort of stasis. Well, the doors are all unlocked, so we better hope it's the former. I'm not so sure. If we really are in deep space, it'd be nice to find someone, something, that could fly us back home. And what makes you think they'd want to do that? Optimism. (laughs) What gives you any reason at all to be optimistic about this? Well, we're not dead. Whoever put us here didn't kill us. I don't think they were taking us on a two-week all-inclusive holiday at a five-star resort, though. (sighs) Whining about it isn't going to get us anywhere. The ship must have some sort of crew. The crew are probably just as alive as the things in these rooms. I doubt they just let us wander about the place. Have you checked the rooms up that way yet? Looks like the corridor leads somewhere. Not yet. Might as well go and check it out. The only other way we can go is back. If we can find some sort of control centre, a cockpit or something. Yeah, I'm sure one of us can just jump in the driver's seat and fly us right back to Earth. There might be some clues there as to what's going on. I think what's going on is fairly clear. Oh, really? Well, it's obvious, isn't it? Something abducted us, took us from Earth, and put us in here. And then, whilst they took us wherever they're heading, probably some intergalactic zoo or something, everything died except us. And now we're trapped in a floating tomb. There's a cheery thought. The owners of this ship must have enjoyed collecting things. All these other species. The zoo theory probably isn't that far off. Either they were going to exhibit us or chop us up. Maybe they were going to hold a conference with the finest minds in the galaxy, and we were the chosen representatives for Earth. (laughs) If it makes you feel better to think that. Not really. It's a better thought than having some alien kid throw peanuts at me through the bars of my cage, though. Do you hear that? Yeah. Uh, Coming from one of the rooms up there. Sounds like it. Let's get a look. Wait... What? What if, what if it's something dangerous? Well, the only alternative is to go back. <laughs> going back won't potentially get us our heads ripped off. No, but going back means doing nothing except sitting around waiting for help that might never come. Whatever it is down there sounds big. We can probably get past the door without it noticing us. The door at the end of this corridor will hopefully take us out of this section of the ship. I hope you're right. Just stay low and stay quiet. It's okay. It's legs chained to the wall. Oh, Christ. Look at that thing. I'd rather not. Are you sure it can't get out? 
It's done a bit of damage in there. Best not hang around and give it any more reason to try. I'm with you in that one. I just hope this other door isn't locked. And hopefully there isn't another one of those behind it. This doesn't look like a room door. What of a main entrance or exit? Aye, this is the moment where we walk out into the set of a live reality TV show. Here's hoping, eh? Ready? I suppose. My mum's going to be worried sick. Try not to think about it. Honestly, you'll drive yourself crazy. Like this isn't enough to make me think I already am. We just need to focus on the immediate. Once the other two get back, we'll find out what's what. Then we can make a plan. I don't see what making a plan's going to do. Have you looked outside? We're in space. Space! I know, I know. Like I say though, don't let things overwhelm you. And why do we need to wait on them? Can't we go and have a look around ourselves? Then they wouldn't know where we were. I'm sure they'll be back soon. We need to stick together. Like we're doing now? While you were waking up, we couldn't just leave you on your own. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just... I know. It's okay. I feel sick too. Sit back down. Try and preserve your strength. I think I hear someone coming. Where's Martin? It's okay, he's fine. He's just taking a look around down there. Hey, I'm Paul. Jenny. Did you find anything? Where do I start? So it looks like we're definitely on some sort of spacecraft. And I think we're just a small part of a large collection of creatures from, well, I guess, other worlds. You're saying you met aliens? In a sense. I'm not sure if it's good news or bad news, but everything seems to be dead. Except one monster chained up downstairs. Monster? Yeah, horrible looking thing. But it's just a specimen here like we are. I think we found the ship's command centre soon after. The bodies in there must be the crew. There's a lot of them too. So the crew are all dead? Unless they all just sleep on the floor and don't noticeably breathe. What's in this command centre then? It's a big chamber, like a sort of hub. I've never seen anything like it. But then again, I've never been abducted by aliens before. Did you get a look around for any clues? Any information? That's what Martin's doing now. He wanted me to come back up to get you. I'll be honest, walking past that monster down there isn't a very nice experience. You said it's locked up though, right? Yeah, it's chained to the wall, but its room door is open. I just hope the chain holds. So that isn't what killed everything else? I don't think so. It isn't like there's been signs of a fight. And every body we've seen is intact. It's it's like everything just keeled over and died. But why not us? And that other thing? I really don't know, but hopefully Martin's turned something up. Shall we head down? I guess so, yeah. You'd be okay to walk, Jenny? I'll be fine. I still feel like I need to throw up, though. <laughs> you and me both. I've been feeling sick, too. How far is it to the command centre? It's hard to say without knowing the time, but I reckon it took me about ten minutes to walk back up here. It's straightforward enough. I mean, if you overlook the whole walking past the monster thing. Uh, you guys... Will we need anything? Like, 
weapons. Even if we did, I don't suppose you stumbled across a box of AK-47s, did you? I think you better take a look out this window. What is it? Oh. What the hell? This definitely wasn't here before, was it? Absolutely not. So, we're flying towards another planet. Is that? None that I recognise. Does this mean there's still something flying the ship? Maybe the crew aren't all dead. Could just be on some form of autopilot. Or maybe Martin's a really fast learner. We should head back to that command centre now. Yeah, let's go. There's a lot of big screens down there. Or what look like big screens. Maybe we'll get a better view of what's outside. Oh my god. I know. Try not to look at it. There's so many creatures in these rooms. At least there's only one of those. One that we know of. There's still other doors leading out of that command centre. There's probably a lot of shit that we haven't seen yet. This is incredible. Uh, Claire, could you maybe not get so close to that? Don't antagonise it. Claire, that chain doesn't look very strong. For crying out loud, it's not a dog. Yeah, I don't think we should really be getting so excited. What the hell were you doing? Are you okay? I'm okay. It's just a scrape. What the hell's going on? She was just trying to pet that thing like it was a guinea pig. I wasn't not. I just wanted a closer look at it. Can we just move out its way before it pulls on that chain any harder? Claire, you're bleeding. I'm fine. It's just a scratch. What's it doing? Come on, everyone. Get through here. Sounds like it's angry. Or in pain. Jesus. Is it... is it dead? How's your arm? It's fine, honestly. It's just a little blood. Look at this place. We saw the planet when we were upstairs, but not like this. These screens came alive shortly after I noticed it out the window. It's like the, the whole place just started to power up. The crew didn't. It looks like satellite images of the world's surface. There's definitely intelligent life on the place. Look, these are clearly constructed areas. Buildings. I mean, it obviously isn't Earth. But it does mean there's a chance we'll get off this thing alive. I hope so, man. I really don't feel great at all. Yeah, I've certainly felt better myself. I'm Martin, by the way. Good to see you up and about. Jenny. Not so sure I'm glad about being up and about, though, if I'm being honest. We must have approached this planet at quite a speed, given that it wasn't even in sight earlier. Unless it was on the other side of the ship the whole time, and we just couldn't see it from that window. But that would suggest that the ship is moving, wouldn't it? Well, my point is, do, do we seem to be moving any closer to it, or are we just floating here? It's hard to say. If we're still heading towards it, it's... It's not noticeable to me. I don't really know how the whole spaceship approaching a planet thing works. I mean, I'm an insurance salesman. 
Maybe they'll try to contact the crew or send something up to meet us. That's if this is their ship and their crew. If it isn't, then what? Will they shoot us down? Thanks for that thought, Paul. There's no point speculating, really. We just need to make sure we've got someone in this area at all times to keep a lookout for something. What about searching the rest of the ship? Is anyone feeling up to that at the moment? You guys look like zombies. Thanks. I feel totally fine. To be honest, I wouldn't mind to lie down. Me either. My head is splitting. Well, I guess the search can wait a few hours. It's probably best if two of you go, in case something happens. How about I take first watch here? Paul and Jenny, you should go and lie down for a bit, and Claire, you should try and get that wound cleaned up. I thought you weren't feeling well either. I'll live. It won't be a hard shift sitting over there anyway. Fine. I'll head back down in a few hours, if I can guess what a few hours are. Sounds good. Hello? Do you read me? Hello? Do you read me? Hello? Hello? Who am I speaking to, please? You... you speak English. I'm human, just like you, sir. Are you contacting us from... from from Earth? I'm afraid not. Before we go any further, can you tell me your name, please? It's Martin. It's Martin. Okay, Martin. Good. My name is Rhett. I live on the planet you're currently orbiting in that ship. It's my job to take care of this problem that we seem to be having. If you don't mind, I'd like to ask you a question. You'd like to ask me a question? I'd like to know how long ago it was you believe you awoke from your stasis on the ship? Uh, a few hours? Half a day? A, a day, maybe? Look, I really hope you know what's going on here, because my head can barely take any more of this. I understand. This must be difficult for you, but I'm going to explain what we believe has happened here. Okay, but can you maybe not drag this out so much? I mean, it's just that I'm in a spaceship full of dead aliens, talking to a human who lives on a weird-looking planet, and this morning I was drinking tea in my kitchen. So, you know, things have been a bit difficult for me lately. I'll get straight to the point, Martin. You were taken from Earth by the race of beings who built this ship. To be honest, I had arrived at that conclusion myself. I was hoping for a little more info. That was 379 years ago. 379 years? It was only this morning! It will be easier for you if you trust and try to digest the information I'm giving you. The race who took you also took many other humans on many other ships. They were not hostile beings, and they intended to build relationships between our two races. Oh, this has to be some sort of hoax. They were pacifists, and believed we would feel threatened by them if they just turned up on Earth one day and introduced themselves. So they would borrow people in small numbers to create ambassadors. Over a few years, this worked, and a relationship was established between the two races. Over time, more and more humans came to live and work on the world you're looking at now. 
But you know what people can be like. It was the same in your time as it is now. 150 years ago, my ancestors waged war on this race who had invited us to their home, given us access to technology far beyond our own. We used that technology to exterminate them, to wipe them from existence. They wouldn't even fight back. Within a few days, they were extinct. 379 years. 150 years. That's all impossible. The ship you are on now was one of many that originally visited Earth. It's carrying something very dangerous. When the crew identified this, they knew it was already too late. To have returned to this world with that cargo would have been catastrophic for them, so they diverted the ship into a black hole where it vanished. We know all this from the records, which were flagged up when the ship suddenly appeared on our radar. A black hole? What the... Oh, wait. What's so dangerous? Is that why everything is dead? There's a... creature on that ship. Well, it's more of a weapon than a creature, but it's sentient. Well, that? That's... it's okay. It's okay, it's dead. It was a big beast, a monster, but it's dead now. I don't believe we're talking about the same creature. When we ran a diagnostic scan on the ship earlier, our radar was picking up five living beings on board. Well, that's right. Four of us and that. Four humans. Yes, four. Well, that's the problem. I'm afraid there's only three humans on your ship. No, there's definitely four. There's something that appears to be a human, but it isn't. It's a weapon. A Trojan horse. A walking apocalypse virus. It will even believe itself that it's human, but believe me, it isn't. An apocalypse virus? What are you even saying? I'm saying that the crew of this ship picked up this being, this weapon, from somewhere else before it visited Earth. It would have been imitating the race of whatever planet they visited to collect ambassadors. A race that was obviously at war with whoever developed this killer and put it there. A race who were already doomed to extinction. It was terrible luck and terrible timing. Its presence on the ship is the reason almost everything is dead. (laughs) But even if that's true, we're not dead. I'm not. We can only conclude that once you were put into stasis, its effects were no longer harming you. Unlike most everything else on the ship. Once the vessel appeared on our radar again, we tapped into its database. That would have woke you and your friends up. It also would have woke this creature up, unfortunately. Once it had established humans as the majority race on the ship, it would be programmed to assume your form. As I say, a Trojan horse virus. Are you saying that we're going to die? Because one of us is a walking virus alien? That's one way of wording it. I really am truly sorry. So now what? We sit around and wait to die? And who the hell is this virus anyway? I... I mean... Could it be me? Do you feel ill? I bet, yeah. We all do. All of you? Well, not Claire. I think she was feeling okay. She got bitten, though. By the creature you found? Yeah. And then it died? Yes. And Claire was the first one to awaken? I... Yes. She was, yes. 
Okay, well, I'd say that's your culprit. She seems so ordinary. She would. It's a very sophisticated weapon, extremely dangerous. These things have wiped out whole galaxies before. So, what am I supposed to do now? Nothing, Martin. We're going to take care of the situation. As I said, that's my job. Take care of it? How? We've brought the ship in close enough so that we can destroy it. Believe me, it's better than the death you would have suffered. What? Goodbye, Martin. I'm sorry. Cargo was presented by 11th Hour Productions in association with World Audio Drama Day, Yap Audio Production, thepodcasthost.com and Burning Bridget Media. It was written, recorded and produced in the month of October 2016. Featuring the vocal talents of Rosemary Stanford as Jenny, B. Parkinson as Claire, Colin Gray as Paul, Robert Cudmore as Martin, and Cat O'Connor as Red. Recorded at S950 Studios in Fife, Scotland. Recording engineer was Sam Burns. Written and produced by Matthew McLean. Production assistant was Julia McLean. With special thanks to Matthew and Monique Boudreau of Oral Stage Studios, Alex Aldia of the Paragon Collective, Avi Ziv of the Stories of Mahabharata, and Colin Gray of thepodcasthost.com. For more audio drama stories with endings just as happy as this one, visit our website, audiodramaproduction.com. Thank you for listening. Folks, thank you so much for listening to Radio Drama Revival today. If your thirst for horror is not yet slaked, please check out 11thHourAudio.com to hear all of this year's entries, as well as Vultures Over Low Doves, last year's entry. That's all the time we have for today, everyone. Let me hit you with some credits. Our theme song, Danger Did You Do, was produced by DJ Stranger Danger. You can find him and his music on SoundCloud. In 1994, our producer Matthew Boudreau was abducted by aliens outside Greeley, Colorado. It took him 20 minutes to fight his way out of a detention block, incapacitate the alien captain, and pilot the vessel to a landing at a pizza joint. The aliens apologized. They still send the Boudreaux's a postcard every Christmas. 
Producer Eli McElveen definitely does not run a cult, okay? He just doesn't. It's a society for mutual friendship and appreciation, alright? Mutual friendship and appreciation for the elder ones that live just beyond the veil of our comprehension. Look, it's not a big deal. Once a month, we all get together at his place, put diving bells on our heads, and scream for 30 minutes. Get some perspective, jeez. Our researchers are Heather Cohen and Monique Boudreau. I once spent nine days in a yurt in the Mojave Desert because Heather told me she was hosting a spiritual retreat down there. Turns out I heard her wrong. She said yogurt, not yurt. And I don't know how I got Mojave Desert from Meet Me at Three. Monique used to run a deprogramming service that was so successful that she ran out of clients. Which is why I'm asking you if you're free to come to Eli's place with me on Thursday. We'll have cake and peas. If I'm Mr. Green and Matt is Mr. White, executive producer Fred Greenhouch is the puppy. Think about that, man. Until next time, I'm your host, David Reinstrom. I'm telling you stories. Trust me.